Welcome to Enlightenedhood, a sacred space for mothers, mothers to be, and mothers by proxy to share how mindfulness and spirituality intertwine with one of life's biggest responsibilities, motherhood. Each week, we will gather nuggets of inspiration, empowerment, and wisdom from wild and woke mamas who are tapped into their highest selves and raising the next generation along with the consciousness of this planet. I'm your host, Lena Lemos, founder of Enlightenedhood, a community of mindful and spiritual mamas committed to personal growth and divine sisterhood through our one-of-a-kind inner work membership and spiritual magazine. Welcome. I am so grateful that you're here. Do you feel like this has been the longest six-ish weeks possible, but then you also blinked and it was somehow May? I know I keep saying this in this intro, but this time truly has just been an emotional roller coaster. And no matter what you're experiencing right now, it's valid. I think we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but that doesn't mean there's any less fear or caution or grief that is happening right now. I'm actually taking next week as some time to heal because I'm starting to feel a little burnout, a little lost, a little like I'm just spinning in circles and treading water. And I really need to listen when that happens to take a step back and surrender and embrace the silence. So if I'm MIA for the next week, that is why, although I'm scheduling everything now. So it might look like I'm still showing up, but really I'm just sitting under a tree somewhere. (laughs) One of the things I love the most about what I do and one of the main reasons that I started Enlightenedhood in general was just to find moms who got it who wanted to talk to me about spiritual stuff, about woo-woo stuff, but also lived their life very intentionally. And I am just so grateful for the relationships that I have created through this platform. And my guest today is one of those women who is just funny the way you connect. And you're like, oh, you too, you too. And just things kind of line up. And Jenny actually grew up right down the road where my husband teaches in West Patterson, New Jersey. Jenny left a successful career as a teacher because she too followed a calling to help parents lead a more mindful life for themselves and their children. She is our guide for the Enlightenedhood Book Circle and feels reading can lead to a soul-opening experience. She currently shares transformational journal prompts every week on her blog, This movement is called Rewrite Your Life. The journals are deep yet simple and connect as well as build on one another. Jenny is sharing how she acquired a lot of spiritual tools in her teenage years and early adulthood, but after the birth of her daughter, she forgot everything after she experienced a lot of trauma and an accident that happened with her daughter in the NICU, which led her daughter to have to have skin graft surgery. Jenny also shares the journey she took to healing, overcoming her extreme anxiety, how she got back into her spiritual practice. And Jenny is also sharing a little bit of history on the Enlightened Book Circle why she thinks reading is so important, how she chose the books that we're reading. And just as a shameless plug, if you love reading spiritual or personal development books and feel like you have no one to talk to about them, please join us in Book Circle. We read a new book every single month. This month in May, we are reading The Alchemist. And I have to say, apparently everyone else got the memo to read this book except for me. I think I might be the only one that that hasn't read it, which I don't know how that happened, but 
I am just so grateful for the women who show up to read and the discussions and the live calls because it has truly just been such a blessing during this quarantine time. And to have an accountability partner to learn and grow and consider new outlooks on the world, I just think is a powerful thing that we could all use right now. So The link to join us in the book circle will be in the description of this podcast episode. But without further ado, here is Jenny. Let's just go through the whole thing then, because I think it's fascinating of the being spiritual and then forgetting everything and then making your way back. So tell me about what it was like growing up in West Patterson, New Jersey as a spiritual teenager. Okay, so uh, we moved back to West Patterson when I was a teenager. I was born there and uh, pretty much raised by my grandparents for like the first five years of my life. And then after my mom divorced my stepmother, she returned back to New Jersey. I was about 15. And prior, so I was going into like my sophomore year. So prior to moving there, I had this dream, which like showed all these people I didn't know, but they were like, I could tell they were like all my friends. And when I moved there and I was at the high school, I was extremely shy. So like people would try to, like, if my teacher talked to me, I would start crying like that shy. And so I was like, I don't think I'm going to make friends. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know, like this dream showed me having like these friends. I'm like, it's not going to happen. But there was this girl in my English class who I just thought was really uh, weird in a good way. And I was like really intrigued by her. So she sat next to me. I would just kind of stare at her because like I was so shy. And then as she had actually uh, befriended me, so it had to be her that made the move. Um, And she was Wiccan. So she was like into witchcraft. She was raised uh, Catholic and she actually went to a private Catholic school until high school. So that's very typical of that area in New Jersey. Um, But being her being into witchcraft and studying Wicca, I don't think was typical. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so she, uh, I had already had a friend in California who was like on a similar path. And I'm like, you know, this must be like a sign. Like I should really like look into this, like, what's this about? So, um, I actually started like studying Wicca. I had a friend who also I made in uh, that high school who was a Buddhist. So I started asking her questions. Another friend who was Jewish and I'd ask him questions and another friend who's atheist. And then I had a friend who was like still Catholic. So it was like a really wide variety of people. Um, but we all got along and I was able to ask like a lot of spiritual and like religious questions. Oh, and another friend was Hari Krishna. So if, and if they couldn't answer, they had asked their parents for me, which was really cool. Um, and I would get like the, uh, the answers I was seeking through them. And then it like really allowed me to explore. And I really needed that because my home life was not good. Um, it wasn't terrible, but like when we first moved to New Jersey, we were homeless. And then we lived with my aunt who was like really nice and generous. And then, um, we moved to like renting half of a house, but my bedroom was also my sister's bedroom and also the living room. Oh wow! So we didn't, yeah, we didn't have, um, much of anything. And I, as soon as I could start working, I started working, I worked in a pet store and I was also a nanny and a babysitter. Um, so that I could like have stuff because like the, it was so limited that I really got into like thrift store shopping and things like that. But it was like, you know, it's expensive in New Jersey to do like anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes. well, yeah. So for me, it was like, I didn't, couldn't ask for money. My grandmother would like, she was the one that bought me my school clothes, but I like wouldn't ask. Like I didn't want to, you know, be greedy or, and I don't even think she would have seen it that way. That was just my impression of it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I really needed the spiritual outlet because I'm like, there's gotta be something better than this. And, you know, just being home wasn't nice. My mom, um, I don't talk to her. She's, uh, a narcissist and, uh, she was into drugs and drinking and, you know, just not really nice to be around, very neglectful. And so it was like, I yearned for like connection, like a spiritual connection. Cause I didn't have like, I don't have a dad. And so having like a wanted that, I don't know, like spiritual parents, I guess is like mm. the best way to describe it. And so I got really just into like Wicca and, you know, witchcraft like now is more accepted, but, um, then it was like, <laughs> get a lot of like 
grief and harassment or wore like my pentagram to work from like the customers, you know, like, oh, are you a Satanist? You know, you're killing animals in the woods. I'm like, I'm a vegetarian. I'm like, no, um, <laughs> I guess not happening. But it really, um, it was good because it's like really empowering because I learned, you know, growing up Catholic is very like patriarchy, very male oriented. You know, you have Mary, but she's kind of like put aside. And so in paganism, it's like, you know, you can pray to this goddess and this goddess for that. And so it was really empowering. Like, okay, now I feel like I have a relationship with divinity. Like I can just talk to them and, you know, witchcraft, like people talk about manifesting all the time now, but like, that's all witchcraft is like, you're using visualization and like words and you're doing all, it's basically just manifesting. That's what spells are. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really gave me like a really good, like feminine, divine feminine foundation. I got into like crystals and, um, divination and tarot cards and all of that based off of that. And, you know, my mom, like she wasn't nice or anything, but she was fine with me doing that. Like other parents might've like flipped out and, but she like didn't care because she always, um, she was always into astrology and numerology. So she was just like, whatever, like, that's fine. That's what you're doing. So that was good. I like appreciate that about her at least. (laughs) (laughs) Some positives here. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so that was kind of, um, I'm thankful for moving to New Jersey for that time because I met my friends and I like really like became a more spiritual person. I would say being there, finding those people. Yeah. I think the thing I've appreciated the most about living in New Jersey is the beautiful diversity that you can be walking down the street and just see so many people from different cultures and religions. So I think that's just so beautiful that you had that little pod that was just so diverse and unique. Yeah. Yeah. I did. That was, yeah, it's totally special about that area. And it's obviously like being so close to New York city, there's even more of that in the city. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So then what did that um, practice for you look like as you entered young adulthood? When I went to college and got into college as a literature major. um, And so actually having like this background in pagan mythology and all that actually really helped me because there's like mentioning of like this goddess, I would know who that was (laughs) based Uh off of my experience, like not just reading like mythology books, but like based off of my like goddess cards or whatever I had at home. Um, so that was actually really cool. And it got me to really be like a real strong feminist. So I was like studying women's literature and things like that. And so it really opened me up and got me ready for that. And then, um, I've always like loved Oprah. And when she announced a new earth as her book of choice, I was like really fascinated by that book. And so I got the book and I was just like, it just changed everything for me. It was like this, uh, what, like, it just was amazing to me. Like there's this pain body and there's this ego, like all of that was really new to me. And I was really like excited by it. And I was really trying to, um, embody that and do that. And so, um, like that book really changed everything for me. It's still like my favorite book to this day. And I've read it like many times and I love hearing Eckhart Tolle talk. And like, I love that he's just really without the ego. I think it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I was just thinking while you said that, I don't think any of us give Oprah enough credit for being kind of a spiritual leader just by cultivating all these other amazing spiritual leaders. Yeah. She was like the first person to have those people on TV, mm-hmm. you know, like she had Gary Zukoff on her show. Like, you know, nobody was talking about spirituality. Like it was so taboo still when she was doing that stuff. She was really like really important for, I think like the current spiritual movement we have. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she plays a huge part in that. I agree. I, uh, not that we have to go down an Oprah wormhole, but I, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> and I mean, as we're reading in the book circle, how to love, she interviewed Tignet Han and Gabby Bernstein. And she's, she mm-hmm. really is like that platform for all the modern day spiritual leaders. Yeah. And it's like, and it, they, she's able to ask the questions to break it down for like anybody to understand, which is amazing. Like it's a true skill. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> so then the thing that I love the most that we're going to talk about now is that you're the first person ever on this podcast who became a mother and then forgot everything you knew about spirituality. So tell me everything. Okay, so um 
right before I had my daughter, I was, uh, before I got pregnant with her, I had read a new earth for the second time. Like I felt, um, I was a teacher and I was like doing really well in my profession. I was tenured. We already had a house. My husband was doing well in his job. Like it just felt like everything was just like clicking. You know, everything was like, we're manifesting the life that we want. Um, we're having that happy ever after kind of thing. And, um, I was even really healthy. Like I felt really healthy physically. And then I got pregnant with her and I had a really rough pregnancy. Like I was sick the entire pregnancy. It wasn't just like morning sickness, like all day, all night. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awful. And it was, uh, like, I was so tired. I never got like, people were like, Oh, you get that wind in your second trimester where you can like do stuff. I never got that. Like, I just was so tired. Um, barely could walk. I made myself walk cause I knew you should for when you're, you're pregnant. And then I had, um, an OBGYN who actually delivered my husband. Wow. Yeah. And so I had like interviewed OBGYNs. I like did my best with the insurance I had, like trying to do my best. I felt really good with him. Um, and, uh, I didn't really know about midwives then or anything. I wish I did, but I didn't. And then, so, um, actually ended up having my daughter early. She was a preemie and I went in the day that I went into labor and I told my OBGYN, I'm like, I think like I passed my mucus plug. Like, I think I'm going to have my baby. And he's like, no, no, like you're, you know, you're just, you don't know, like he's your first baby. And like, he just patted me on the head. (laughs) (laughs) They're there. They're there. (laughs) And then I went home and that night my wine water broke in bed and like, we were not ready. Like we, I mean, we had our baby shower, we had stuff, but like we weren't mentally ready because it was like really early. And so, um, it went from there where I was in labor for a long time because when your water breaks, they can't stop the labor. Like at that point, like they have to get you to have the like the baby, even if the baby is early. And so she ended up being six weeks early. She was five and a half pounds and, um, she had, she wouldn't latch and she had a hard time like eating on her own. So they whisked her away to the NICU and I was devastated. Like it's not how I planned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was like, what's going on? I mean, it's just confusing. And then, um, it's a long story, so I'm going to shorten it up, but I ended up going home without her, which was terrible. Oh. I felt so empty inside. And the mamas who have their babies in NICUs for long periods of time, my heart is always with them. Like I cannot, it's terrible. And so, um, we went back the next day and the doctor on duty came to us crying and she said, there's been an accident. <laughs> And I need to talk to you before you see your baby. And so, um, what had happened was she had an, an IV in her foot because that's common to put in babies and the IV slipped out and stayed in her body, but out of her vein and filled her, her leg up with this um, protein, which ended up burning her. And the nurse that relieved the nurse who was supposed to be watching my daughter, by the way, the woman had two babies to watch. Um, the nurse that came in in the morning saw that my daughter was in English, like immediately and did everything she could. She was like, an, I think she was an angel. Her name was Tanya. Like I'll never forget her. Um, and so she had this horrible accident. We ended up having her transferred to a better hospital and staying in the Ronald McDonald house. She was in the hospital for a total of two and a half weeks. And she ended up having to have skin graft surgery to fix the, um, the burning because the skin was like black, like it couldn't oh, be saved. Gosh. Yeah. And, um, and then she came home from there and the first day home, people were like, you know, you, when your baby sleeps, you should sleep. And I had not been sleeping the whole time she was in NICU. I'd have to leave her every night. And I would just be up all night, just like, just full of anxiety. And I was just so scared and I just wanted my baby and I just wanted her to be better. And I just, and I wasn't praying and I wasn't meditating. I wasn't breathing deeply. I wasn't doing anything, you know, like everything I had ever learned or thought about, it just all went out the window. And then, um, I got her home and she choked in her sleep 
And, um, I called 911. This is like the first day home. My husband had gone to the store to get something for us. And he comes home to me in the, in the back of an ambulance because oh I had gosh. a, they were taking her back to the hospital where she got injured to assist the local hospital. Um, she ended up being fine. And it turned out she had acid reflux, which is very common with preemies. And in the NICU, by the way, like, I don't know how it is in other countries or in other states, but in this particular hospital, it's a very good hospital. And they made you take classes before you could like take your baby home. And since she was in there for two and a half weeks, I had nothing else to do anyway. Like, cause there'd be times when she was like, when the NICU was closed. And so I would have to take these classes and these classes like prepare you for the worst of everything. Like, you know, for SIDS, they prepare you for like mental retardation, um, all kinds of things. Like basically thinking like your baby, it made you like, it just made me paranoid. Honestly, I was always looking for problems, but they didn't tell me anything about acid reflux. And I didn't even know babies can get that. And so, yeah, so she choked in her sleep and then, um, I just didn't sleep anymore. <laughs> like I didn't sleep until I saw a therapist and I was put on Zoloft and I sometimes had to take a Xanax. I w didn't sleep. Like I just didn't. My body, my therapist said I had post-traumatic stress disorder and my body associated sleep with her being in danger. And so my body wouldn't let me sleep. Mm. And so, yeah. So when you're not sleeping and you already have a ton of anxiety, like the things you should be doing are meditation and praying and yoga and like all those things. And even, but it's, like, it just didn't, it just felt like, um, I described it to my husband. If you've seen like the Batman movie with Heath Ledger, which is the Joker, mm -hmm. when he comes on screen, there's this siren music playing. It's like this high pitched violin. And I told him like, that's just how my brain felt all the time. Like I just felt like in this conscious, conscious state or constant state of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in a constant state of fear, you can't be spiritual. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's like impossible. And so everything I learned about like being to God and, you know, trusting the universe, all those things, like when she, in my mind, when she almost died, I just was like living in a constant state of fear. And when you're in that, I know that now, like when you're in a state of fear, you really can't be your deeply spiritual self. Like they just don't go together. Mm -hmm. And that's when you need that stuff the most. But I just... Like I couldn't even bring myself to use the tools. I didn't even remember the tools. It was like, I just was trying to like live the day, like trying to remember to feed myself and those kinds of things, you know? Wow. So how did you pull yourself out of it? Well, I did, um, like, I feel like I have really, I've always said that I feel like I have really strong guardian angel and spirit guides. I've had a lot of evidence of that in my life and also having the mother I had and surviving. <laughs> and, you know, there's just been some incidents where like, I feel like I shouldn't have survived, but I did. Um, when I was in the hospital where um, my grandmother, she passed away from bone cancer right around the same time my daughter was born. And or not, no, around the same time she had her accident and nobody told me she died because they didn't want to like add any more stress, but she came to me in a vision, um, and told me that everything was going to be okay. She like held my daughter and she's like, she's beautiful and everything's going to be okay. Like you just have to know everything's going to be okay. And this other man was there to like confirm that he ended up being my husband's, uh, grandfather who I never met. So they came to me in the hospital. And then I also, when my daughter was in surgery for her skin, skin graft surgery, I was sitting there just crying and I felt like this warm embrace and there was nobody there. And so like, I think, you know, even though I wasn't being spiritual, like those connections weren't shut off. Like they, yeah, there's so, like people were like my spirit guides and like, were trying to show me like, it's going to be okay. And I even like, um, one of the, uh, like I had a hard time being alone with her too. I felt nervous because of what happened with the choking. Mm -hmm. And one of the first times I was alone with her, I heard whistling. And then I told my husband, he's like, Oh, my grandfather always whistled. <sighs> yeah. And so it was just like, even though I had you know, all these fears and I wasn't my, I wasn't my best self. And I was just like trying to survive. There was people reaching out from the other side being like, no, you got this. Like it's important. And, and then, um, I went to therapy, which was like a, a really good thing. I didn't even know, like I knew about postpartum depression. I didn't know postpartum anxiety was a thing. And I had anxiety, like the whole pregnancy. 
And then it obviously got worse after what happened. And so that, um, that really helped me. And then just, um, I started doing, um, visualization of like her as a healthy adult. Cause my biggest fear was that she was going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's going to get sick. She's going to have SIDS. She's going to die. Like I'm gonna wake up and she's not going to be there. Like I was just, and that was like a constant state of fear. And so my therapist was the one like, you need to, he talked, he reminded me about deep belly breathing. And he was like, you need to do that. You need to exercise. Like you need to move your body to get this anxiety out of your body. Um, and then he was like, you need to visualize her as a healthy adult. Like just lay in bed and just see her living her life and know that that's what's going to happen. So he was a very cool therapist, I have to say. Yeah, I was going to say that's very, not that therapy doesn't have like a mindfulness base, but those are very specific things that I think are very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very grateful for him. And so, yeah, so that sort of helped me. And then, um, time went on and like, I could say I really like looking, like looking back now, like where I am now, I could say that was probably my dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, because after I kind of healed from what happened with her, then I had like all my mother issues hit me, like all the issues with my own mother. And, um, I ended up reading a book called, will I ever be enough? And it's written by a woman whose mother was a narcissist. And the woman herself is a therapist that helps daughters heal from their narcissistic mothers. And I remember reading the book and just crying because it was like, wow, someone like really gets it. And there was a lot of like inner child's healing in that book, mm-hmm. um, which was really good, really, really good. And so that really helped me, but I never, um, like I would still like pray. I started praying every day and, and that kind of thing, but I didn't have like a real practice. Like I do now, like I didn't, wasn't reading spiritual books and I wasn't meditating. I would do yoga sometimes, but only as exercise, like not the spiritual part of it. So I wasn't really a spiritual person again until I had my son and his birth was amazing. It was like, I had a midwife and everything was great and he was healthy and he latched right away, like the perfect birth and it was extremely healing. And, um, my therapist was the one that was like, you need to have another kid because you need like, it'll heal those wounds. And he was right. Like, I feel like he's more than a therapist, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's retired now. He was amazing. He even had a dog. Like, he, like, had a therapy dog in there with us. It was, he was just something special, I think. Um, but, yeah, so then I had my son. And then my niece, she's not, like, she's, like, my chosen family. So my niece, she's, like, I have this book. It changed my life. Like, I want you to read. It's called You Are Badass by Jen Sincero. Mm-hmm. I was, like, mm, like, I guess. Like, I'm pretty good. Like, I'm living a good life. Like, I have... This is that at this point we already bought like our second house and it's like bigger and nicer and like I have a good job making good money. Like, you know, I don't know if I need this book. I guess kind of arrogant, I feel. <clears throat> and then I read that book and the book made me feel really uncomfortable. Mm. Like I was like, I'm not a badass. I'm not living on purpose. I'm not doing what I should be doing. Like it really like struck a nerve but I loved it at the same time. But I also knew that it was like, it was pointing to some things I didn't really want to face. And then I ended up facing them. Um, My husband and I had like a lot of talks and then um, it was just like a whole bunch of stuff with families, like family drama, all these things. And then I just realized like I wasn't happy being a teacher and it took some time. Um, I actually resigned from teaching last year around this time. I actually, and I, I taught for like 13 years as a school teacher. Um, but I had realized, I realized now, like now that it's been a year that the teaching was like really fueled my anxiety. Mm. Just like it just, it was, I had a lot of anxiety not being with my kids, but even before I had my daughter, like I was just anxious. Like it just like, it was like a symbiotic relationship. Like I liked teaching and I chose teaching because of anxiety. Like I had the, it's a safe job in my mind. Like it was like, you know, there's, we always going to need, everyone's going to always need teachers and mm-hmm. like, it's good. You're good with kids. Like this is a safe thing for you to do. And then, but I was always really afraid of like, um, school, like violence. Like we, mm-hmm. we, my generation, we grew up with like Kip Kinkle 
in Oregon and the Columbine kids. And I was always like, as a teacher, that was always in the back of my mind. Like Mm -hmm. at any moment I could just be murdered. Like that's a scary thing. And so, um, it got increasingly worse at the last school I worked at. It was just, um, really negative coworkers on top of my own health problems and then other anxiety. And then it was just like, I got to get out of here. And now I'm home and I'm doing whatever it is I do now. (laughs) (laughs) So now that you're a year out from facing those truths and stepping into a better you, how has that changed you and how has it changed your spiritual practice? Oh my gosh. So last year I was like, um, well, prior to leaving work, I've read the universe has your back, which I needed to read too. Cause it was like such a reminder. I was like, I know this stuff, but I had forgotten it. And so that book brought me back to like who I've always been and was like not being my true self, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, that was a catalyst. And so then I bought a course, the miracles. And I also, um, this will be my, this is my third year practicing yoga every day. And then, um, I also committed to meditating every day. So I was like, you know what, I've always meditated off and on, but I'm just going to like commit. And I, and I would just try stuff. Like, so I got like the insight timer app. I got the plum village app and I even like took a class on mantras with Deepak Chopra. And I was like, I'm just going to, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to do a meditation every day. Like I'm going to just commit. And even if I just sit there and I'm like not even doing the meditation, I'm just sitting there for the five or 10 minutes. I'm just going to do that. And so I committed to a full year of that and then doing yoga every day and then, um, focusing attention on my health, like actually like listening to my body. What does my body need? Those kinds of things. And then last year I decluttered our whole house using the Marie Kondo method. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was just doing all these things to like purposely bring transformation and change into my life, like physically, uh, spiritually, emotionally, all of that to be more of myself. And also last year I read uh, Course in Miracles for the full year. This is my second year reading it. And so I would read it every day. So it was like all these things, like pretty, like kind of strict, I guess it sounds like, but um, I needed it. Like I needed to be back into like a, like a regimen of it. So doing all those things brought me into, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Heart Alchemist at all. Mm-mm. Okay. She, uh, it's Christina Lopes, but she has like this whole, um, like the six, uh, it's like the six steps or the six, um, I don't know if she uses the word steps to a spiritual awakening. Mm. And she talks about like the different parts of the spiritual awakening. Mm. And so I definitely as a kid had like, like as a child and as a teenager had these moments of what she calls like the blissful moments where like everything just like connected with God and nature and everything's one. And that doesn't last that long, but you have those moments. I definitely had those. And then when I went through with my daughter it was a dark night of the soul. And then I had another dark night of the soul when I left teaching and all of that. Um, but it was lesser this time because this time I surrendered like this mm-hmm. time I was like, I gave into it and I was like, God, I know you have something better for me. Like, and I was really, um, I had faith this time. And so this time it was faster and not as painful. And then she talks about, you go through all these different steps. And one of the steps is called the void where you're just kind of like almost like in limbo. And for months I've been saying to my husband up until recently, like, I just feel like I'm in limbo. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing Mm. right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I like? I, I'm not getting signs. I'm not getting this. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I just felt not really stuck. Like I still had faith and I kept just, and I actually, um, had like this amazing ladybug experience. And then I kept seeing ladybugs everywhere. And so I think that was like my spirit guides being like, just hang in there, girl. Like you're going to have some good mm-hmm. fortune. Like here's, here's the proof, just hang in there. And so, um, I just kept hanging in there. And then recently I've had like this you know, turnaround um, which she, Christina Lopes calls the grounding phase, which is the next phase before you actually find your real purpose. Mm. So it's exciting. And so I think I'm in grounding phase and, um, cause I feel myself coming out of that void and I'm okay. Like i once I watched her videos, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I, this makes me feel better. Like there's a process everybody goes through. And then it made sense to me, like based on other books I've read, these people went through same processes, but they didn't like label it the six parts. 
mm-hmm. but everybody goes through this kind of a process. And so, um, so yeah, I'm, it's making me comfortable with not knowing it's making me comfortable. Um, I feel very comfortable right now. I don't know what my next steps are. Um, I'm just, and I feel comfortable in that space for the first time ever in my life. Like really. Mm. I think that's such a huge feat and something to be so proud of because I think almost everyone I know cannot sit with the uncomfortableness of the unknown. Yeah. I mean, and having a background of having anxiety, which I don't have anxiety on a daily basis anymore um, for a lot of reasons, but that like in the past, that kind of thing would have drove me nuts but I'm able to just surrender and have faith. And I just keep saying like every day, like I know you have a plan for me and I know, you know, my, what mode I want for my plan. And I know you also have a plan, like we're going to co-create and I'm just really finding that. And I'm also, um, my husband is working towards, um, a new job. And so I'm also kind of not like stepping back, but I'm also like in support of him, mm-hmm. like not doing like major changes or going out there and like seeking big things right now, because it's not about me right now. Mm-hmm. It's about, I want to like, you know, give him that, that time. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Rock, but he talks about in like a relationship, sometimes you play lead vocal and sometimes you play the tambourine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so right now I'm playing the tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But one thing you are doing, which I just love the way that the universe brought us together is now you are the leader of our book circle. So tell me about, because it's so funny that I had been thinking about something similar for so long. And then we were talking and you brought this idea to me. And it's just like this hallelujah moment because it was just like perfect, (laughs) perfect timing and just so in line with enlightenment. So did it just come to you or had you been wanting to be part of a book club before? You know what? It just came to me because you, um, you were real open with everybody who was interested in working with Enlightenhood and being part of it. And you were like, just, you know, give ideas, like, you know, put stuff out there. And so I sat, um, in meditation and I just got like this, you know, this idea, like books full, like it's like part sacred circle, part book club. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that would be so much fun. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was talking to um, my niece about it and I'm like, this would be like, she's like, it makes sense. Like you're, you were an English teacher. Like you love books. Like, obviously I'm always like buying her books and everybody else. And then um, when I really thought about it, I got really excited because um, I know like you mentioned before on this podcast, that part of why you created this podcast was to talk to other moms about Mm -hmm. spiritually. Like I, I'm, you know, help create the book circle because I want to talk to people about these books. You know, mm-hmm. it's fun to read, and but it's like when you read in isolation. Like I'm always telling my husband when I read, yes. like sharing this and sharing that, or like putting quotes on Instagram <laughs> or whatever. But like to actually have other people who are reading it with you, like that's a whole new experience. And mm-hmm. like I was like, that would be so much fun. And so that's I like I really got excited about the idea. It wasn't just like. I'm going to do this so I can be, you know, like part of enlightenment, like just so I can do that. No, it was like, Oh my gosh, like, yeah, it would be fun. We did this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. And that's where it came. The idea was just like, it would just be so much fun to read books together. It really is. And I, it, I'm the same way where I read a book and I love it so much. And I recommend it to every single person I know. Yes. And then no one reads it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like cool. Yes. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Or you leave it. I've gotten as far as buying it and they still don't read it. Like, did you read that book? <laughs> uh, I will give a shout out to my dad, though. He is one person who I'll recommend him a book and he'll put it in his queue, but he has like a hundred in it. So he might get to it in like three years, but he will read it. Well, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I mean, we had our first call and it is, it was really just a, Maggie and I were talking afterwards. We're like, we can't stop smiling because we're just so excited that there's this whole community. We just see each other's faces and talk about these things that we before had no one to talk to about it. Right. (laughs) So how did you select the books that we're reading this year? Um, Well, I asked you and Megan to share, which was really nice of you to share your monthly themes, like the vision you have for each month. And then from there, I was like, okay, I'm going to not just base it off the theme, but like the theme, but also try to weave in, like if this was a a year long course for somebody, 
what books can we add that they would come away with like a completely new understanding of all kinds of things? Like, mm. I don't want to just do like all Buddhism or like all one thing, because then it's like, you're not getting like a well-rounded reading, you know? Yeah. Um, like in a literature class I would take in, in college, it was like, you know, I took a class one time. It was like, um, lesbians of color in literature. Like it was very specific, <laughs> group mm-hmm. of authors and it was great, but like, it was very narrow focus. I didn't want that. I wanted like, so I purposely looked for like, uh, different genders and different colors and different time periods and different backgrounds and different publishing dates, like old and new. And so I was really like, cause I think like, even if you're a mom and you like try each one and it, like some of them, you're like, oh, this one kind of clicks. Like there's gotta be one. Cause they're so varied that you go, yes. Mm-hmm. Like this book is my book for the year. And that was kind of the idea. Yeah. I was super excited because two of them on our list were two that I have had sitting on my bookshelf in my queue waiting to read, which was Super Attractor, which we just read for February. Mm -hmm. And then Becoming by Michelle Obama, which I bought like a year and a half ago when it first came out and it's still sitting on my bookshelf. (laughs) I can't wait to read that one with you guys because like it's kind of long. And so I guess some people find the off-putting, but I read that one this summer and I was just like, I thought it was life-changing. Like I I love her. Like I, well, yeah, like I love her and I love like how she talks. She's so real, but this, her story was just so good. And I think everyone can relate to it. So when we get to that one, I think it'll be really fun to see what kind of like what people take away from it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'm just so excited for this to continue to grow because like you said, when you introduced this whole idea to me that reading together is just so healing. Yes. Yes. Like, um, so I, my background is teaching and I didn't leave teaching cause I don't love kids. Like I truly love kids and I love people and I love being around people. And, um, I loved teaching certain literature books because it would just bring the whole class together. Mm-hmm. Like you could just see the kids feel it in their hearts. Like, um, one of them was, we would read the diary of Anne Frank and when, when eighth grade, and like, you know, for them, like they, it was a play. And so it actually have them act it out and for them to like act it out and then know that these people were real people and that these people like yeah, Anne Frank died a horrible death. Like it brought history alive for them, but also she was just like, her words are amazing. And like the play ends with something like to the effect of her saying, um, and I just hope that people like someday read my words and I would just cry. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would read that and I would just cry like a baby because, and then the kids would cry because they're like, oh, you know, it's like so touching. But like, I could see, like, even my like hardest kids, you know, my kids that came, like foster kids or kids that came from like really abusive situations or kids that were, you know, out there in gangs, like kids that were really leading a, a rough life, like some poem or something would just like get into their heart. And I would see like a spark or I'd see a change. And like that, to me, it was the best, like one of the best parts of my job. It was like, mm-hmm. this is just connected to this, this thing. And now we've had my like, whole experience. I feel, I feel like literature does that. It, like opens up the door for you to talk about anything because it's mm-hmm. like, it's not you, you about the book. So it's like a little safer, you know, it's a good conversation starter. You know, this book, you really identify it with it because blah, blah, blah. You don't have to go into details or you can, you can get really personal. So it's just so cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I will put the link in this podcast podcast description for anyone who wants to join our book circle because we read a new book together every month. And then Jenny leads us um, in a Facebook group and it's really fun. Um, So if you're interested in reading with us, come join us. Yes, please. And there's journals too. So as you read, you'll have like little guiding ideas or activities just to like, you know, make the reading a little more fun and they're optional. You don't have to do that. And even if you don't read the books, I think the group's interesting because you could at least like get some information about the book. If you don't have to feel, you don't have time to read. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be a mom to join either. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've saw We have a couple of women in who aren't moms and they're like, I'm not a mom, but I want to join. Like, yeah, these are just spiritual books. Like you don't have to be a mom. Yeah, totally. And I, I asked my mom if she wanted to join and she's, she was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to meet the deadlines. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> like, so mom, cute. Like, mom, that doesn't matter. You could just, because 
I always grew up with my my mom and my aunt and then my two grandmas. They always pass books along to each other, bags and bags uh-huh. of books. So they would always, it was just like this constant stream of books coming in and out. So I thought that she would really enjoy it, but it's just so funny that she got so technical with it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to meet the deadlines. <laughs> Okay. So there's no pressure. So if anybody else feels like that, it's like a not, no pressure. Like most, not everybody's even finished our first, like our last month's book. And so I've been, I put out a survey and like most people haven't finished it. That's okay. Like that's why like some books are long and some books are short too. So we can like catch up. So it's not a big deal. That's my biggest problem is I, right now I'm listening to five different books on Audible and I I start them. And so I love this book circle because it's really giving me that accountability partner to finish them so I can talk about it with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing is it's like, it's nice. Cause like we really could make the time, but just sometimes we feel like I don't have the time, but you could steal time, like waiting to pick up your kid in your car or whatever. Like you can yeah. take a few minutes to read instead of being on your phone, you know? Yes. Yep. We always have the time. That's what I've been working on the past few days is like finding that true presence and that true time because it it is, it's so easy to just sit on our phones or to sit on my problem is YouTube, even though I try to watch Abraham Hicks videos and yes, you feel like it's educational. Yeah. yeah, But I'm like, I'm still just wasting time. I could be reading right now. I could be listening to one of my books. So we always have the time. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. So tell me, what is on your spiritual bucket list? So um, I always hear you ask this question. So you were <laughs> ready? Like, <laughs> no. So I, like we have a every Sunday we have a family meeting and we talk about like what we're grateful for, like what's coming up in the week. And so I talked about the podcast. I was like, and she always asks this question. I'm like, what? I don't even know what to say. But um, so what I will say is this: is that I've actually never been outside of our country. And I'm never really, I'm not much, I haven't really traveled because in the past I had like really bad anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, my health took a really bad turn, but I'm much better now. But, um, I was diagnosed with like Hashimoto's and I had all these other issues, but, um, I'm healing it and I feel like, like way younger and better now. But so we didn't really, we haven't really traveled much, much as a family. And so I would really like to travel to national parks, but not just within our country, like other countries, national parks. Mm-hmm. Cause to me, like being outside and like seeing nature that's been preserved and untouched and like animals, like that's to me as close as to God as I can get, like, that's so mm-hmm. spiritual for me. So I would really like to do that. And then um, the other thing is, is I'm part of the Yoga with Adrienne um, Find What Feels Good community. I love her. And every year she does like a retreat and I haven't been able to do it yet. So that's the other thing is I've like never done a retreat. I would like to go do that um, mainly to meet the other people in the community. Just like, <laughs> I think that'd be really cool. But um, yeah, I've never done that either. So it's all based on traveling, I would say. Mm, I love Yoga with Adrienne. And I she came to New York once and... I really wanted to go meet her and do yoga with everyone who would show up who were part of her community, but then I didn't go. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, so she, I think she's just, um, she's definitely like a light, like she's definitely. Oh yeah, absolutely. She's guiding, guiding the world into yoga. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And her dog looks like mine. So I have a, a special place in my heart for her little dog, Benji. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like her, it's partly her yoga that helped me get back into my spiritual path. Like, because her, her yoga isn't just like the physical, like she sneaks in things, you know? So like yes. at the end, she'll be like, breathe in love, breathe out love, or you're amazing. And I love you. Just like these things. And at first I was like, what the heck? Like I felt so... <laughs> uncomfortable or even like she would have you like do things like pet your belly, like your belly needs love. I'd be like, Oh, what? But then something happened clicked along the way. And I was like, I totally was like, yes, Adrian. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's saying those affirmations with her. And I was like feeling it. You know. <laughs> so now I need to ask you this because I feel like you're the one person I can ask this who might give me a real answer. I have found myself now because I've I yoga with Adrian and Adrian was the catalyst for me getting into yoga too. But do you find yourself in your everyday life making the noises she makes when she changes poses going like, shoo, shoo. I do that <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, oh, I'm yoga with Adrian again. <laughs> so I do lion's breath. 
like all the time. Mm-hmm. Like my husband one time, because he didn't know what it was at first. Cause now he does yoga with Adrian once a week. But at first he's like, he made a funny face back at me. Cause I didn't know he was looking at me. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. Like I was doing yoga. Like he's like, Oh, really? And I was explaining like, for me, that's such a big stress reliever and that like, I'll just take a minute alone and do like a lion's breath in a closet. <laughs> And it's just like, then I feel like better, but yeah, her, her breathing, like I find myself like breathing deeper and I'll remember, or like when I'm sitting, I'm like, Oh, head over heart, heart over pelvis. Like, and then I have better posture, you know? Yeah. I just like, even with opening doors or like standing up, I'll just be like, (laughs) yeah. But then, and also, cause when you're doing the noise, you're probably like using your body better. You're not just like unconsciously doing it. You like subconsciously program that into me. So now (laughs) I'm very conscious. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) Well, Jenny, it's been such a pleasure having you on this podcast. And as you know, I like to end with wise words for anyone listening who needs that extra pick me up to show up today as their best self. So what are your wise words to end on? So uh, my wise words are that you deserve to be happy. And I know people like are like rolling their eyes right now, or they're like, that's so cliche. Um, But it needs to be said, because I think that so many of us have like this terrible inner dialogue. And we either live in the past, and we're beating ourselves up for like little mistakes, or we're worried about our future or whatever, and we're not allowing ourselves to be happy, or we'll put everybody else's happiness before ours, whether you're a mom or not, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just a common thing. Like, I'm going to do this and this and this, or we'll put our to-do list before our happiness, you know, like, oh, before I, you know, painting my nails today, that would make me so happy, but I got to do this, this, and this, and then you never paint your nails. So I'm going to say that you deserve to be happy and you got to take that moment when you, it comes up, like, you know, what would really make me happy right now. And like, if you can, then do that thing because the other stuff will always be there. Like your inbox will never be empty until you're dead. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just always going to be there. So like, really you deserve to be happy. And that is something I think that can radically change your life. Like if you really start thinking that way and you really believe it, you're just going to do, you're going to make better choices and you're going to do different things. Thank you for listening to Enlightenhood. For more wisdom from spiritual mamas like you in the form of guided meditations, videos, articles, masterclasses, and more, check us out at enlightenhood.com or connect with us on Instagram at enlightenhood. If you need a tribe of like-minded women to dive into personal and spiritual development with, check out our monthly membership where we show up, go inward and upward together. Enroll today at enlightenhood.com backslash membership for less than the cost of a yoga class. Until next time, you mindful mamas.